T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. From the WEEI Studios. Brought to you by DuckDuckGo. Privacy simplified. The home of the Red Sox. 93.7 WEEI-FM and HD1. Lawrence, Austin. Always live on the free Odyssey app. This hour of Fitzy and Heart is brought to you by Shaw's. Shaw's, the official supermarket of the Red Sox network. One can't help but be positive. The other can't help but be negative. Bleep you, you bleeping bleepity bleep. The only thing they seem to agree on is that they can barely agree on anything. Blah, blah, blah. I'm Andy Hart. I'm not happy about this. It's sports radio for the passionate fan. What's up, Nick? And grumpy dad in all of us. That is just so stupid. Fitzy and Hart. Yes, I've been listening, Andy. On Boston Sports Original. I like the way Andy Hart does it. Might have Nick just take over. W-E-E-I. On yet another beautiful, sunny summer Saturday in the fair Commonwealth and all around New England, this is the Fitzy and Hart Radio Program. We've actually not been together on our own radio show in quite some time, but of course you can always hear me and Andy disagreeing on all things Patriots on the Six Rings podcast. Download it now at weei.com or of course subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We're coming to you today from 1 to 3.10 p.m. Then we'll pass the baton to the Red Sox pregame show with a 4.10 first pitch. Brew crew at the Red Sox today. Game two of their three-game set. You can give us a shout anytime if you would so like at 617-779-7937. And, of course, the text line is open for business. Please try to play nicely in our digital sandbox at 37.937. The socials at Jumbo Heart. And at Fitzy GFY here at WEEI. Of course, we're coming to you from our Ford Fenway Clubhouse studio. Tune in to WEEI this Red Sox season as we broadcast live from our Ford Clubhouse Fenway studio before Red Sox weekend home games. It's brought to you by your New England Ford dealers and Ford trucks, the official truck of the Red Sox. Andy, I'm going to put extra emphasis on all of those Ford reads because I plan on getting in line soon for one of those fancy new Broncos. The missus has fallen in love with them and she has demanded we bring one into the family fold. And I got to tell you, honestly, I ain't arguing. No, they, those look like a lot of fun. They're a pretty cool car. And I tell you, even my son, a teenager, gives the stamp of approval when he first saw those, especially, I know they have a, a variety of different uh, lines or models or whatever you want to call it. Some of the real yep, yep. sporty ones that are um, kind of, uh, you can take the top off and there's removable things and doors. Uh, you they're love pretty everything where cool. you can take the top off. Yeah, You're damn right. Especially a Miller Lite at 315. But what, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, we got sports <laughs> to talk about for easy, a couple hours easy first. Easy, now. Actually, I saw a Ford Bronco 
parked in the back parking lot of uh, it was in Harwichport where all of our favorite like mid cape restaurants are. We were down there with the family one night, and even the kids saw it was a white one with red trim and a hard yep. top that could come off. And my wife was like, "That is one sexy truck. I am trading in this minivan for one of those." So she's like, <laughs> "She's like, start picking up the side jobs. Let's go, Uncle Fitzy. Here we go. Let's get to work, baby." And I was like, "You know what, honey? If you take the kids to that and ditch the loser cruiser, I am all for it." 100%. On today's show, Andy and I going to switch gears and mostly do as we normally are want to do, Patriots-centric radio today. Of course, we were down at training camp for the first three days this week. Day four just wrapped up a little while ago. The Patriots are off tomorrow, and then they strap them on Monday with their first padded practice. Our guy, Mike Dussault from Patriots.com, joins us as one at 145 today as our de facto beat guy to give us a little fresh perspective as to how things looked on day four of Pat's Camp 2022. So, Andy, let's just open up. Uh, let's have a little soft open here. Let's just kind of uh, both maybe offer up a few of our observations, thoughts, and uh, the things we saw that caught our eye for the better or worse for the first couple of days at Pat's Camp 2022. So do you want me to start on brand, you know, sort of play the role that our open puts me in, or do you want me to be a little off brand and play your side of the street? I'll let you uh, choose wh- your own adventure. Why, you know what? Actually, why don't you start off brand? Because then I can I can sort of yes and that um, in an improvisational capacity. And then if it gets too positive, you'll probably force yourself to pump the brakes. And then you you as you normally will do, we'll get back in your lane. Okay, I'm going to give you, I know you like four packs of fancy beers. I don't have four ready. I have a three-pack of positivity to throw at you. And we oh, should just me, goose. We should just start real quick before we both give our observations. The first four days of training camp, no shoulder pads, no contact. In fact, Bill Belichick in his training camp opening press conference said, training camp starts Monday when we put the pads on. This is a continuation, phase three of the spring OTAs and minicamps. So now we've set the scene. They're wearing helmets, shorts, T-shirts, the little shell things, but it's a non-contact environment. I will start with the defensive side of the ball with the first point of my three-pack and say the cornerback position, the pass defense, has been feisty and competitive. And I know a lot of people believe that is the biggest weakness on the team, the biggest concern. You face all these quarterbacks and receivers and high-powered offenses. Who the hell is playing cornerback? I think Jalen Mills, your number one corner, has been competitive. I think Terrence Mitchell, your number two corner, apparently at this point, has been competitive. Marcus Jones, the rookie, has been in the slot. Uh, And I've just seen a lot of guys, Joshua Bledsoe, your guy, um, around the football, fighting to the finish. Sort Sort of that original Malcolm Butler the way he made his his name early in his undrafted uh, year. Just sort of, is he great? I don't know, but he seems to compete, and he seems to finish through the ball, and he doesn't give up, and he's around guys, and he's grabbing. I've seen a lot of that, so boom. I think that's a positive. Flip it to the other side of the ball, and I'm going to give you two positives from that side. I'm going to start with Ramondre Stevenson, who I know in the past I've compared to Le'Veon Bell. I might be being dis- disrespectful to him. He may be more explosive than Le'Veon Bell. Whoa, he has whoa. he's dropped Who weight. Who is this guy on the radio? Stiz, hey, can you check okay. him? Can you check the microphone? I mean, I'm 
I'm looking across and I see the guy that I normally do radio shows with, but I can't quite recognize him. Wow. I mean, maybe you're doing all this positivity because, of course, all these Red Sox vibes are rubbing off on us as all these <laughs> Brewers fans walk up and down Lansdowne rubbing it in our face because the Red Sox are going to have a losing record on this homestand. See what happened? I talked Sox for a second. I got negative. I'm here to be Pat's positive. Continue. Friend. Pat's positive. There's not only negativity in this town, Rick Pitino. We can be Homer positive if we want to, and I want to right now. Ramondre Stevenson, he talked this week. He spent the entire offseason focused on the passing game, third down game, pass catching, route running, pass protection, all of those things. He dropped, he said, he estimated seven pounds. He's about 225, but he said he's in much better shape. He can run more. The conditioning is better. And I'll tell you, talking to some people, uh, no one has come further than him. He showed up in poor shape. He was not ready to go. I know Ivan Fears kind of touched on it last year, like, what do you like about him? Well, he's here. That's about it. He needs to get better at everything. He's gotten better at everything. He's become a professional in taking his body seriously. And we've talked about it. James White, PUP, where's his availability going to be? If at all, there's an opportunity in the passing game. Ramondre Stevenson is ready to seize the day. Carpe diem. And the third one? Positivity on Devontae Parker. It's shorts, it's t-shirts, but he's healthy. He looks pretty explosive to me. He certainly can fight through press coverage, can fight for the football when it's in the air against those feisty cornerbacks that he's facing through the first four days of training camp action. So I think Devontae Parker is off to a nice start. Now he just needs to stay healthy as we get you know toward actual real football. I love everything you just said. I will second all of those emotions. Let me first say, as, as it goes for Ramondre Stevenson, the sky is the limit, as we know, and as we have been told. Our pal Andrew Callahan has joined us a couple times in the past week, and we were chilling with him on Media Hill this week as we were watching training camp, and he declared it eight days ago on this very station, Ramondre C Stevenson season. Now, I know it's supposed to be Mac Jones season. Some people have said it's Devontae Parker season, or it might be Josh Uche season. But truth be told, it really might be Ramondre Stevenson season. I, I noticed when he was doing his media avails and doing some post-practice talking on Friday that he looked noticeably more cut up, that he looked like he was in better shape. Hell, I even saw it like we saw Mac Jones is in better shape. Devontae Parker comes in with a big, bad, grown-ass man's body. And Malcolm Butler is ripped to shreds. All these guys are in great shape. It looks like everyone took their off-season training seriously. Maybe the effect of the one of the more positive effects, if you can take it away, from that ass kicking up in Buffalo in January was, wow, we all need to get in better shape. We need to get faster. We need to get stronger because we are not nearly uh, physically competent enough or capable of keeping up with Buffalo. And we've seen them uh, cut off some of the dead weight, some of the aged veterans, some of the slower folks, and they look like they've taken their conditioning seriously this offseason. Stevenson, as we have discussed, and I wrote for the website earlier last week, uh, it could be in line not only for some of these zone runs and being a nice compliment to Damian Harris, who, A, barks every time he's in front of a microphone or touches the ball. <laughs> a lot of barking. It's a very canine really training camp it. so far. I don't, I don't really get it either. I don't, like, Max bark is terrible. Damien has a big-ass bark because he's got a great speaking voice, but oh, yeah. I'm not sure I'm totally in tune why we got to you know be a dog the whole time. But listen, hey, if you're going to be in that kind of shape, you're going to be as focused and serious as he's been when he's carrying the ball i think he's primed for a dynamite season but stevenson you're right the sky is the limit for this guy i think prior to today he had eight catches coming out of the backfield which would be almost james white-esque if you will because you look your third down back to average three to five catches a day might be he and a combination i believe you 
uh, posited that it might be he in a combination of Ty Montgomery mm. in the backfield, yep. sort of supplanting or covering in duo or tandem for James White, who we don't, who we both don't believe will be seeing the field for any active duty anytime soon. And hell, I, one of my favorite things I saw when I was down there, I wasn't charting the plays as hyper specifically as perhaps yourself or some of the other beat guys, but that formation where. I think it was on Friday. Maybe it was thir- I think it was Thursday, excuse me, where you had Ty Montgomery and Ramondre Stevenson yep. in the backfield. Ooh, that is that's that's my kind of football right there. Two very capable, sure-handed, one veteran, one younger but more physically able running back slash receiver hybrid offensive weapons who may go any number of directions as we both simplify and yet evolve this offense. These are the things I'm most excited about, and that's where I want to go with my first Pat's positive notice um, from training camp, Andy. I know some have talked about, oh, the offense looks a little simple. Oh, they're just kind of rolling Mac out a little bit, and what are they going to be doing? I keep wondering who's going to be calling plays. What's this simplified playbook all about? I think you are going to see a diversity of play calls and things we haven't seen out of the Patriots offense in some time, maybe if ever. It's not going to look like your standard-issue New England offense. I do believe... They, as they continue to trust Mac, as he learns not only the playbook but the pro-life and defenses more, they're going to let him do things with the ball he is capable of. All your play actions, your RPOs, the rollouts, uh, diverse formations, two tight ends, two backs, you, you know, cats and dogs, human sacrifice, you name it. And I, I, I think right now we haven't, seen, we haven't seen high nor low of some of the things that this offense is going to offer. I've also loved seeing, in addition to Devontae Parker, who I described on the Six Rings pod this week as the Patriots finally took Nikhil Harry back to the store and said, hey, this one's broken. Can we get one that works? And they got uh, <laughs> a more veteran model with Devontae Parker, and he has showed up and showed out a little bit in uh, you know, the shorts and shells season. I love seeing Kendrick Bourne more involved, not only just in the offense in general, but seen a lot of passes to him in the end zone. Now, they did more red zone work. They did like you know from the 20 in for the first couple of days. I absolutely want to see him more involved from goal line to goal line. But watching them throwing a lot of fades to Kendrick Bourne, watching them start to integrate more him more into the offense, some of these packages, like when if you're going to think that you might have Ramondre Stevenson potentially either carrying the ball or as a threat in space, you could have Janu Hunter or Big Bad Devontae Parker, and then somebody who has the energy, the speed, the playmaking ability, and the leap-and-go-get-it uh, want and zeal that a guy like Kendrick Bourne has, it starts to give me hope, optimism, that this offense may actually blossom and develop year two. And I'm not just saying this because Brian Barrett was pumping the tires of Mac Jones in the offense uh, earlier, filling in for Ken and Curtis. I really think that while, sure, there'll be some growing pains, you're going to see this offense complicate matters for other defenses as they, quote, streamline and simplify. Yeah, I think there's a lot of, and I don't want to be disrespectful, but I think you'd probably call it uh, B-level versatility, B-level athletes. You know, mm-hmm. there's no there's no Debo Samuel at this point. There's no Tyreek Hill, these all-pro caliber guys that can line up all over the formation. But you're right. If these guys reach, and we've started positive here, when we come back from the trending, I'll probably take it in a negative direction. But on the positive side, if... Born is who he was and maybe a little more. And if Ramondre Stevenson takes a natural year two jump and sort of chums the water of opportunity and potential that we think he can, and if you have John U. Smith just just emphasizing his athleticism, taking advantage of his athleticism, and maybe you mix in a Ty Montgomery or one of the 
there's some athletes on the field that you can, whoever you are, and we'll get into that later, whether your name is Matt Patricia, Joe Judge, or Bill Belichick, or right. whatever the open conversation is, whoever you are, there's some some opportunities to be creative and maybe, you know, I feel like the Patriots probably aren't going to win a lot of one-on-one matchups in terms nope. of my number one versus your number one. They might not win twos versus twos, my number two versus your number two. But they might win three versus three and four versus four, a linebacker, a safety, that third matchup. And if Mac can find that, and as Mac says, that's what he's good at, finding that and getting the ball to those guys, maybe that's where there's hope for this offense to evolve and develop. As well as the offensive line coming together, a little bit of a scheme change as well. I agree with you. This goes right back to our idea of a tight end room that was overrated going into last season and now might be underrated because of the poor performance of John Smith last season with guys like Nelson Aguilar, who no one expects anything from whatsoever. There, There's so much room to grow from a number of guys who were given big checks last year and some of the underrated guys, and I ask how long Kendrick Bourne can continue to be, quote, underrated when everyone's talking about the fact that he's the most underrated guy in Foxborough, if not the AFC East. If any of these guys contribute positively and you see growth from the ones who did contribute last year, I just don't see how the Patriots offense doesn't grow because we didn't talk about, pardon the double negative, we didn't talk all offseason about like, whoa, look at the defensive changes that have been made all across the AFC. It's been, wow, the AFC West decided to take uh, the football equivalent of roster winstroll. And wow, look at all these teams that are adding playmakers and getting better, and they were already pretty damn impressive last year. Buffalo and Cincinnati getting a new offensive line and everything else. It's going to be difficult to keep up with them, but the Patriots' off it's not going to be, wow, the pa- how are the Pats going to score on them? It's going to be tough to keep up with them. The defense, well, that's where we've seen some positive that you hit on, and I have some questions as well that we'll get to in the next break, as well as when Mike Dussault joins us from Patriots.com. At 145. The number, once again, 617-779-7937. Let's do some headlines and updates with Trending. Crash and Keith, weekdays 10 to 2. Now, here's what's trending on WEEI. Here's what's trending now on WEEI and WEEI.com. The Red Sox lost to the Brewers. You don't say. 4-1 to one last night. Another sad trombone of a game at Old Friendly Fenway. Brian Bayo got the loss after allowing two runs through four and a third innings. Though I will say, he it's probably the best he's looked to date, Andy. So there's your one Sox positive so of Fitzy, the day. Can I, I say that daylight come, Bayo go home. You, if I thought I could actually do the show by myself or get someone else to fill in, I would. I would ask you to turn your microphone in now, sir. Bayo. Uh, according to Ken Rosenthal, the Mets are interested in both J.D. Martinez and Christian Vasquez. Ooh, that could be something as the trading deadline fast approaches on August 2nd. The Red Sox play the second of their three-game series against the Brewers this afternoon. Nick Pavetta gets the start on the bump for the Red Sox opposite Eric Lauer. Again, the Red Sox are guaranteed a losing record on this homestand. They have a losing record to date. I can't keep talking Red Sox. It just makes me sad. Joe Castiglione, who was honored this week. It is now the Joe Castiglione broadcast booth forever. And, of course, Will Fleming. They'll have the call with the first pitch at 410 across the Shaw's and Star Market, WEI Red Sox Network, Shaw's and Star Market, perfecting the art of fresh. Be sure to tune in to the Visit Massachusetts pregame show with Brian Barrett at 310 p.m. That's sponsored by the Massachusetts Office of Travel and Tourism. Start your Massachusetts summer adventure at visitma.com. 
And of course, Patriots training camp continued today. David Andrews was activated off the pup list, and Jake Bailey was activated off the NFI list. Their first day in full pads for the team will be on Monday. Three players continue to remain on the pup list. That's what's trending now on WEEI and WEEI.com. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Right back to it. Bitsy and Hart on WEEI. And streaming everywhere on the Odyssey app. Six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven is the number if you would like to hop on and talk Patriots with us. Not sure if you guys have been down there at Pat's training camp. Four opportunities so far in the 2022 pretend and or preseason. They're off tomorrow. They strap the pads on and get down to brass tacks and real football on Monday. Andy, how many padded practices are they allowed in the preseason and or overall throughout the NFL season? I feel like the number is so low it's ridiculous. Like, Gone are the days of two-a-days where guys hit each other every day between the games where they hit each other to try to win. I think it's something like, isn't it like 13 for the season? I The season, I believe, is in the 11s. teens. Yeah, it's 11. No, I think it's, it's in the teens. Low. It is very low. Um, I, How about you're preseason? Right. I don't believe it's one per week. In the preseason, I think you have um, a wider uh, berth, so to speak. I think you can... Um, have pads on. I'll have to look that up. Now it's not two a days. There's no nope. no more two a days at all. Whether no, the only two a days are in yeah. Miami. Yeah. What? Tua is in two. You said you said oh. two. Tua. Come and on. You said that was, I was bad. That hold on a second. Oh. Your 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 day. Two a days are Deo. numbered. <laughs> <laughs> if you can't all beat right. them, join them, baby. You're listening to WPUN Punny Dad <laughs> Sports Radio. Um. Yeah, uh, I understand it's not nearly as hard as it was. Uh, Fourier was telling us that um, on the other day when we did the show from fabulous La Cantina Italiana in Framingham that, you know, like long gone, as he did on the pod this week, long gone are the days of wake up in the morning, sweat, hit, grind, want to die, 
quick lunch, Gatorade, sweat hit grind, go back to Bryant University and literally just lay in bed all night moaning and not even get at it like using receptacles to go to the bathroom. You're too tired and too sore to even make it down the hall because you're sleeping in a dorm. It's so different. It's so cushy. It has evolved so much as we understand. And we don't even just have Tom Brady, if you will, to thank for the advanced hydration and nutrition that comes along with the preseason. We were talking about some of the people that stuck out to us in a positive capacity. I, too, noticed. I just want to get a couple of these, and then we'll get into the uh, concerns area from just the offseason in general, let alone the first couple days of camp. Talked about the tight ends looking good. People are in really good shape. I Am I going to, like the rest of you, because many people, both on the beat and social media, fans in the stands and more, notice that Jonu Smith has looked really sharp so far. Using that physical, those physical gifts and his playmaking ability as a positive. Some nice contested catches. Again, seven on sevens, eleven on elevens. No, no pads. But he looks the part of somebody who can be, if not a difference maker, a legitimate playmaker this season. But you said he looked the exact same last summer. Yep. So, should I and/or all Pats fans be wary of getting burned once again, or should we buy into the idea that being able to commit himself this off season? And having, you know, let's also just play into the man's pride and his maturity. Like, he knows he kind of stunk the joint out last year. He's great when he gets his ball in hands. He's not the greatest root runner, but he has playmaking ability. Should we buy into the idea that he is going to be a positive person? He's going to have a positive impact on the offense, or is it buyer beware still? I think there's still some degree of buyer beware. Um, he he's a natural athlete. They're out there in shorts and t-shirts. His athleticism shows. He's making play. He did all this last year. He had more opportunities. And I thought he had a good overall training camp a year ago. Even when the pads were on, you know, they were really utilizing him in a variety of ways and trying to get him the ball. And then it just never transferred to the regular season. There was just too much negativity, um, and he was never finding any consistency in his role. So it's the middle ground like i've kind of christian fourier is buying johnu smith he says i was a year too early and that he is buying him as a penny stock i think he referred to it as exactly uh, um i think there's some value there i don't i i've given up on the idea that he's going to be worth his 50 million dollar contract that he's the third you know he's the third highest paid tight end in football is he going to be the third best tight end in football no zero chance zero chance Correct. and let's make sure that we don't try to judge Aguilar and johnu smith and even some other players on their contracts or the inflated numbers they were given last season, let's just judge them by their performance and how they're able to contribute to the offense this season. And, and I'll take it a step further. I'll judge them by, do I want them to be on the team kind of roles? Forget the contract. Okay, fair enough. Or would I want them to be on the team moving forward? Just like in a vacuum, if you didn't have a number attached to their heads, is he one of your best four or five receivers is he one of your best two tight ends is he a positive contributor forget about the money that's you know gone dead paid it is what it is and I think Jonu Smith and Nelson Aguilar will contribute will have some sort of production and I'm I'm interested to see we talk about the versatility uh, earlier with Ramondre Stevenson and some of these guys well I think there's opportunity for Jonu Smith there line up in the backfield H back maybe get matchups that are a little bit more um, beneficial to him against linebackers and safeties rather than maybe you know the better safeties and even slot corners out out wide so um i'm gonna stay you know 
I've been naively optimistic on a bunch of things. Xander Bogarts, for example, Rafael Devers, I've stayed naively optimistic that they will remain with the Boston Red Sox. I'm going to remain naively optimistic that Jonu Smith can still be a positive for this football team. Well, how about that? I might just be rubbing off on you after all. Excuse me? Hey, now. Uh, as far as some other positives from the first couple of days, come on now. And it's yeah. all right, all right. Uh, the corners, like you mentioned earlier, on the up top, definitely looking sc- like you know what I would I would say they're scrappy. The yep. corners look like they scrappy read the do. clippings. The corner, the corners look like they read the clippings. They heard the news. Everyone said they stink. Uh, we listed them in our positional breakdowns in the off season as did many other places, as the biggest area of concern and or the weakest unit on the 2022 Patriots heading into camp. So it looks like guys like the new Joneses, both Jack and Marcus, Marcus who saw a lot of special teams action yesterday as well, catching punts, we've seen them. Terrence Mitchell, who's been surprisingly uh, bright. Malcolm Butler out there, you know, not sure exactly how much the future holds for Malcolm Butler, but it's great to see him back out there giving it a go, and the fans love to see him, whether or not he can add some steady veteran presence uh, or, you know, be a good third corner. Who knows? Jonathan Jones hasn't been back out there. Jalen Mills, though. Jalen Mills looked like he worked his ass off this offseason to improve his coverage, to just get a step quicker, knowing that he was going to have to be a number one or a number two corner when pressed into service on whatever this defense uh, morphs or evolves into this season. And I like that. And he spoke to our own Kyrie Thompson yesterday and offered some words to, to the like as well. Like, that's the kind of growth and maturity. He signed that four-year $24 million deal last year. It was nothing close to the John o. Smith deal or anything in the ballpark of what Devon Godshow got this week. But it looks like he's taking the opportunity seriously and trying to make the most of it. Um, do you think... Do you think he's going to be able to maintain some sort of high level of play? And are you optimistic that one or two of these guys might break through? And well, let's just not say like be huge playmakers or like lock down corners, but like hold down the fort so that it's not just like a bleeding sieve all season. Uh, I have my concerns. Okay. Um, all right. You now said we're, scrappy. We're that way. Yeah, scrappy. There's, all, there's only one letter between scrappy and crappy. You drop the yeah. S and it's a quick transition. <laughs> um is. And this group, I, I think, so now we're going to get into my negatives, my, my questions. There we go. And there he I, is. I've read a lot about how Mac Jones was completing passes and the offense was moving the ball. I think it's misrepresenting the facts at a significantly high level. Um, I think this offense has looked, um, looked pretty poor at times. And when they did make plays, they weren't real plays. They were six, seven, eight seconds mm-hmm. uh, into it. They would have been sacks. They involved quarterbacks. Mac Jones or Zappy sort of rolling out backside, pointing their finger and like schoolyarding it and then completing it. They're not going to live that way. That's not their style of football. Um, it's just not realistic, sustainable. I, I just so I think a lot of that has been misleading. Those reports, even even just oh, Mac completed sixteen of twenty-one. Did he? Were they real passes? Were they NFL passes on NFL plays? Hell, I just came from a high school seven-on-seven tournament where they only give you. I want to say four or five seconds to throw the ball, and then they 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 blow the play dead. Like if Ooh, you don't like th- that. throw I the like ball that. by that, it's over because there's no pass rush. We're in a seven on seven environment. That's essentially what a lot mm-hmm. of this action at Patriots camp has been. And I think if they use those same rules, a lot of those plays would have been blown dead. And that's my concern. And that transfers to the defensive side of the ball. So when the defense is doing well, are they doing well, or is the offense struggling in this transitional phase? And I know supposedly it's streamlined and they're going to play faster and be better i just haven't seen enough guys 
getting open, boom, right off the line, right? Winning their battle, getting open. And so I, I, I just have concerns with the development of this offense. And I know I've gotten a little defensive. I think there's been some uh, veiled and not so veiled shots at Josh mm-hmm. McDaniels and his scheme and his offense. And it was too complex and it was too this and it was too that. You know what I'd say it was? It was too damn successful for a long period of time. And he made the most of what he had, not only with Tom Brady, which the most was elite, but I thought he worked his way through the Cam Newton era error uh, for a year. And then I thought he did a good Nobly. job with Matt. I- Oh my yeah. God! I, I admire what what he was able to do. You want to both Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels? They shouldn't have been lauded for what they did last year. I mean, obviously they they got Mac and they brought him out slowly and steadily, and hopefully they've imbued him with enough experience and smarts and confidence to match what he brings to the table, so that he can mature and grow the season. Because the uh, triumvirate, the brain trust of play calling and offensive development, which we'll get into again. And further, been one of the talking points offseason, is, uh, I'm not going to say suspect, it's unique. We'll call it unique uh, to date. But the work that they did in 2020, I mean, that was potentially their best work. Belichick had, no wonder, they did Tom Brady a favor letting him go to Tampa, for God's sakes. They had scraps on both sides of the ball with Cam Newton in a pandemic, and they were able to coach that team to 7-9. and nine. I mean, that was that was mighty impressive, to to say the least. And, I, and I'm, I'm with you. You know, look, I love watching like, ooh, look, there's a little QB waggle from Mac. We didn't see much of that last year. It's fun. Oh, he likes throwing on the run. But sure was holding on to the ball a lot of times. And, yeah, a lot of those passes were like 6, 8, and 10 yards. Like nothing was dynamic. But, again, they were working a shortened field. So I think yep. they were opening things up today. We'll we'll see if Mike Dussault from Patriots.com in a few minutes can relate to us whether or not the offense looked uh, a it little didn't. more dynamic. I'll, or give you a, I'll give you a little uh, preview from Twitter it did not and Mac was not happy sulky McSulk sulk as I used to call Tom Brady Mm -hmm. sounds like Mac at the end of practice got a little sulky McSulk sulky oh so John uh Mac uh uh Mac uh Corkle or John Mac Corkle and Roe if you will as they used to call him they used to call him baby Mac and Roe was out today good you know what now is the time to scrap now is the time to fail now is the time to make your mistakes so you can learn from them we fall down now so we can pick ourselves up and learn if everything looked perfect now they'd have nowhere to go but down so we fall down now to get trampled by everybody else who's behind us right and that's andy hart everybody (laughs) staying in his supremely negative lane have you seen the lion king stampede (laughs) dead uh special teams look good from what i saw i think a lot of positive momentum building for your guy schooler the guy that everyone keeps saying hey who's that tall dude out there with the really short shorts and the tattoos on his quads weird tattoo area no what's like is that common Quad tattoos, like is that a there common were, thing? There were, I've seen a few people recently with quad tattoos. I don't know what the point of the quad tat is. I don't, and, it, and it, he has a lot. It's it's a borderline. I don't know if it's considered a sleeve or whatever, but there's a it, there's yeah, it a is. Lot there. It's a it's a leg sleeve, I guess. But yeah, I yeah. think those are sleeves. So um, yeah, no, but, he he's a guy that sticks out because of his shorts, because of his legs, because of his hair, and then you look. And he sticks out because he clearly is being groomed for that role, which was obvious coming out of college. He's a guy, multiple schools. He started both sides of the ball, receiver, Mm -hmm. safety, played a ton of special teams. Mm -hmm. You know, he could be Matthew Slater 2.0. And I just say that in terms of the theory, the idea, the track record. Yes. Um, And that's who he's working with. You know, you look out there, it's like Cody Davis, Matthew Slater, and Schooler. And then you look and he's getting reps in coverage. He's getting reps at personal protector. Like, I don't know if it'll work. I don't know if he's good enough. We'll find out if he can actually do it. But I think he's a guy that's being molded to be one of those next core special teamers. 
Yeah, it'd be nice to see somebody actually. I didn't have we, us we, talking schooler at 137. I missed that on the run. I'm, hey, I'm just going through my notes. Uh, you know, great to see Nick Folk looking sharp as ever. Uh, you know, again, he's just, you know, warming up and getting Jake ready. But he, Bailey. He, he, Jake Bailey. That was where I was Boom. going next. Jake Julian brought in as the sort of punter camp competition, the rookie, as Jake Bailey is scheduled to make a hefty almost $4 million this season. He is a warm body that hopes to make the practice squad or catch on somewhere else because Jake Bailey has brought the boomstick back. Yeah, the, you guys owe him right an apology. Weapon, the right-legged man weapon has returned. I apologize. In you, Jerry and Thornton, all you supposed right, wall-defending super fans were trying to run Jake Bailey out of town well, because, because there was some new thought. hussy in the draft. Because, ah, uh, how dare you, you frauds. <laughs> Well, the reason why was because we were all pretty convinced that Bill Belichick would try to save $3.5 million by drafting a highly ranked punter like a Matt Ariza, the punt god, but he ends up going to Buffalo. We've all made our jokes about, like, oh, I wonder we'll if we'll never see him. See him. Season. <laughs> <laughs> if two hacks make the same joke at the same time, did it even happen? It's a uh, Saturday. <laughs> so it is a Saturday. It's beautiful. I mean, honestly, if you're sitting inside listening to sports radio right now, what the hell is wrong with you? Get outside uh, and enjoy the sunshine while you can, people. Yeah, use your app. Take us to it's, the beach. I know, exa that's exactly right now. I would probably be, if I were at the Cape, as opposed to here at the beautiful Fenway Ford Clubhouse Studios with streams of Brewers fans walking by Fenway taking over because they travel well and it's their summer destination. Hell, it's been everyone's favorite place to play this season. I'd probably be walking to the beach. Odyssey app on, phone in the pocket, listening to a little sports radio, and then I would uh, start enjoying some sandy, some shandies by the shoreline. <laughs> some uh, sandy shandies. Sa sandy shandies, exactly. But Baylor's good folk, too. All right, primary concerns. Uh, you touched on the play calling. Should play calling be at the top of our concern chart right now, Andy? Matt Patricia, well, obviously, with the walkie-talkie in hand. Looks like he's calling the shots. Joe Judge in tandem and tow with him. Mac Jones, obviously they've talked, it's a, it's a process, it's a conversation, open dialogue. Should that be the concern, or should the level of talent on both sides of the ball be more the concern? Because I'm not as concerned about, like, oh my God, these guys look like a clown car fire. Like, it's the Benny Hill, it's the Red Sox on defense, but on offense in Foxborough this fall. I'm more concerned about the talent that they have being able to execute the plays they call. I'm pretty sure Patricia, Judge, Belichick at all have called a few couple plays and games in their day. That's not as much my concern as it used to be. Yeah, I'm I'm not as worried about the play call as I am sort of the overall development of the offense, the scheme, what they want to do, theoretically how they're going to maximize the talent that we've talked about that's maybe B-level talent. You don't have a lot of A-level talent where you can just drop back and say, throw it to him He's better than the other guy. He'll catch it. That That's not a realistic opportunity for this football team this season. So if you're going to rely just on your talent, I think the Patriots are in trouble because I don't think they're an overly talented football team. You know, we talked about the ESPN um, list made up of anonymous 50 votes from across the league, GMs and scouts and all that, and the Patriots' lone representative at top 10 in any uh, position was Hunter Henry, and he tied at number 10. So this is not an overly talented football team, raw talent. So you need to maximize your talent. So scheme will matter. Play calls will matter. Game plans will matter. And I think offensively right now, the development of this offense, they're not, they're not having a lot of success against a, we keep saying shorts and t-shirts, but at least it's a level playing field. Both sides are in shorts and t-shirts. Mm -hmm. You're playing cornerbacks and safeties and linebackers that are in shorts and t-shirts, excuse me. And I don't think you're having a ton of success. 
and that's a little bit worrisome. We'll see. Maybe they're just going to lean on the running game, and you know that obviously has not been an aspect of the offense yet. They've been doing a lot of rollout passes. Seems to be one of their favorite plays, rollout, mm-hmm. little high school five-yard guy in the flat, hoping he can turn it up the sideline and maybe make it into a play. So, yeah, I, I think there's still a lot of questions and concerns. And even Mac today, and we'll get into this with, my, with your guy Dussault, at the end of practice being frustrated, is it just about a play, an interception he threw? Is it about a couple plays? Is it about one practice? Or is it about something bigger? Like, is he frustrated with the – I know he said he loves the open conversation, but is the open conversation with Judge and Patricia and Belichick leading to productive uh, development of this scheme, this offense, this passing game? We'll see. Uh, but I think that's a major concern on offense because you have B-level talent. Can you turn B-level talent into enough production? Speaking of B-level talent, uh, I just opened up Twitter to take a quick perusal uh, while we're about to cut to break before Mike Dussault from Patriots.com joins us here on Fitzy and Hart. And I saw a couple tweets about other training camps. Uh, saw Tua throw a pass really far and try to, and Tyree Kill caught it. Still did not exactly look like it had a lot of zip on it. So um, not in any way, shape, or form convinced he doesn't have a pea shooter. We'll go around the NFL at 2.45 before we wrap the show later. I'll just share you this, and we'll get into this with Mike because he'll be able to provide even more perspective on it from training camp today in Foxborough. Andrew Callahan, our buddy who we mentioned earlier, he tweeted an hour ago, the Patriots defense earned a sack or pass breakup on 33% of the snaps in team drills today. Who boy. Yeah. Uh, as they said Ugh. in Mad Men, and we are off, or we are off to quote, uh, when things aren't going well, not great, Bob. Not great. 617-779-7937 if you'd like to call in and talk Patriots offense and defense with us. I see the guys are lined up. We'll get to your calls in just a minute. Mike Dussault, my guy from Patriots.com, joins us on the other side here on Fitzy and Hart on WEEI. WEEI. We are right back to Fitzy and Hart. Streaming everywhere on the Odyssey app. We can miss them again. Yeah, yeah I would say so. Just coming in with them, we're both... Uh, no, I don't really like to say trial run, but that's kind of what it was our rookie year. So we know we have to get done. We know what's expected of us, and he's taking the steps. I'm taking the steps as long as with uh, all the other rookies. So, yeah, I think we're all in the right direction. As Jermaine Wiggins calls him, that was Ramondo, a.k.a. Ramondre. Mondre Stevenson talking about Mac Jones' growth in the offseason and with the Patriots offense here in his second year under center in Foxborough. It's the Fitzy and Hart. Radio Spectacular today with you from 1 to 3.10 p.m. before the Red Sox pregame show. We're talking a heavy dose of Patriots today as training camp opened up this week. And joining us now on the Harbor One Hotline to provide a little fresh Patriots perspective as he was there for day four of Pat's Camp 2022, friend of the program and the Six Rings pod, my guy, Mike Dussault of Patriots.com. What up, Deuce? Thanks for calling in. What's up, guys? I missed you down there today. Yeah, I missed you yeah, too. Yeah, we my missed man. you too. Sure. Yeah. Some, yeah. Exactly. I missed <laughs> slathering myself in endless sun cream. Yeah. You know, sandwiched between Tom Kern, Andrew Callahan, and Mike Reese, just <laughs> chugging Aquafinas and Gatorades with no end in sight. Sweat dripping down my crack. Wait, what? <laughs> all right. Oh, all right. Yeah. Keep it classy, Andy. What? All right. So, Deuce, um, in our absence today, you were there on Media Hill with several others, and. You got a firsthand look at what went on today. From everything I've seen on the tweet machine, uh, 
Not exactly a great day for the offense, or so I'm led to believe. No, no, it was not. I mean, I feel like the offense started pretty good on day one. You know, they had Devontae Parker, a couple contested catch touchdowns, and I think everybody was feeling good, pumping up the crowd. And the last three days, I think, have been kind of like a slow descent in effectiveness for the offense. Uh, Today, I didn't think it was their best day. I think it was probably their worst day on offense. You guys, I heard you guys talking, you know, Mech looked visibly frustrated coming off the field. Uh, I'm not quite sure what to make of it. You don't want to kill him because there's no pads on. Uh, but at the same time, it's just – I don't really get some of it. It just seems like a back corner end zone fade after back corner end zone fade, contested catches. You know, sometimes they're making the catches. Sometimes they're not. Uh, I, just, I just don't quite get what they're building to yet. It's been a lot of red zone work. I know you guys are – you know, where the tight windows and everything that's down there, but uh, it just wasn't effective or consistent. Certainly, you know, a few plays here and there um, that showed up, Jacoby Myers being, you know, one. I think Johnny had another catch as well in the end zone. But overall, it's just very uneven from the offense, and, and they kind of struggled just to, you know, kind of produce anything conventionally. A lot of switch between back corner end zone fade and kind of play breaks down, and, you know, maybe Mac finds somebody wide open late in the play. But, you know, it's just it doesn't really seem like they've found their stride yet. Uh, that's for sure. So begins the criticism of the uh, scheme and the coaching staff and the play calls that I think we will be uh, we'll be living for months and months now. But you touched on it there at the end, and Fitzy and I talked about this. Do you agree with me that you know even some of these raw numbers that are being reported by some of the beat guys? You know, Mac is uh fourteen of twenty one or sixteen of twenty one. <laughs> that that it's it's been even misleading in what you just talked about, like it's broken plays or plays that really last longer than a real play would, or he's even rolling out backside and pointing a guy like backyard yeah. football. There's been, in my opinion, just too much of that. Do you agree? I, I, yeah, a hundred percent. And I mean, uh, you know, I, not to go on a rant. I'm sure you've heard it with uh, with your old buddy Perillo, uh, <laughs> my friend as well now. Um, but that's what drives you nuts. It's, it's, you see a play that completely broke down, and, and obviously it's, it's not even a real play anymore. And then, oh, well, he just kind of tosses it off to somebody in the end zone. I'm like, I always usually turn to Pollock up one for one with a touchdown. You know, like it, some of that stuff can be really misleading. And I just, you know, I think what's missing for me is just a lot of the quick hit kind of stuff that you used to, you know, see with Edelman, you know, just hit a guy, let him run into, into the, you know, let him run, run with the ball a little bit. I just, uh, you know, I can't, I can't overstate it enough of just, why is every other play uh, a back corner end zone fade? I just I don't understand why that seems like that's going to be their bread and butter this year when, you know, and of course I know they're building the things and you're trying to install and all that, but just for me as somebody who, you know, has watched training camp every day, every training camp practice the last three years, it's, it's just kind of striking to me that that's kind of the, the play that they just continue to hammer home almost every other rep. Do you think that is a is a, an example of the offense, the quarterback, or might that just be um, proof before our eyes that they still lack that guy? You mentioned Edelman, that guy that can just get yeah. open, win quick off the line of scrimmage, because even all, a lot of their options that I think we like aren't that type of guy. Jacoby Myers is productive, but that's not him. You know, Devontae Parker can be productive, but that's not necessarily him. They're still lacking that type of guy. Yeah, and I mean that's you know when a point that, that Paul made today that I thought was a good one is you know they just signed Josh Ham Josh Hammond yesterday they brought in little Jordan Humphrey you know a few weeks ago of course these you know mostly depth moves but you know at the same time for anybody that's pumping Trey Nixon or people that want Christian Wilkerson to, to jump up um, you know it doesn't it's not exactly a huge vote of confidence for any of those guys 
you know, all that said, though, you know, we've really only seen them in the red zone. So, you know, how much, how effective was Julian Edelman in the red zone? You know, that's not really his right. bread and butter. I mean, we know, uh, you know, of course, you know, get Seattle, he had a famous touchdown down there. But, you know, so you would be expecting to see Devontae Parker, the contested catch guy, or the tight ends, Jonu Smith, Hunter Henry. And those guys have been showing up. Um, it's just like too much of like what you like you said, Andy, broken plays or just kind of toss up 50-50 balls. And you're like, all right, well, there's a new offense. Where's the core of it? Like, what's going on? So hopefully we get them pads. You'll get a little bit better sense of, you know, what they're going to do in between the 20s. And I think that's the place that you might get more from Kendrick Bourne and Myers and, you know, those guys that are a little more suited for the underneath stuff. Man, I started the show so excited about the offense in the 2022 season, and now I'm ready for Celtics season. Good <laughs> Lord. Back back to should we trade Jalen Brown for Kevin Durant. My guy, the Deuce, Mike Dusso from Patriots.com, joins us on the Harbor One Hotline with some day four thoughts of Pat's camp 2022. This is making me wonder, Mike, if the corners and the secondary looking scrappy and competitive isn't a product of their off-season's work, but rather the fact that the receivers just aren't able to get open and it's easy to defend, you know, quick slant over the middle, back corner fade, or Mac QB waggle right, or, you know, boot left and (laughs) dump into the flat. I mean, it has been a very basic playbook to date, so maybe they want to sort of put that out there so people think to add that to the how we try to defend the Patriots book, and maybe they're trying to, you know, just reboot the offense in general and keeping things vanilla. Uh, anybody stick out special teams or defense-wise today? Anybody have an especially good Saturday morning um, when they weren't easily grabbing Mac or knocking a ball down? Now, you know, as much as the uh, as the offense kind of struggled, I wasn't exactly throwing bouquets yet at the defense. I mean, it's you know, <laughs> again, they're playing with they're playing with pads on their hands, and 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 again, yep. like you like you kind of touched on like. It seems like they know what's coming because every time they're like, hey, they're probably going to throw a back in zone fade right here. You know, so <laughs> it kind of feels like every time they toss it up, there's like, you know, McCordy's getting over there. He, he gets it. So, um, you know, not, I, don't, I don't mean to, to take a defense. I just, I just mean it's hard to really say, like, oh, are they really, you know, covering? I mean, they're definitely playing well in tight coverage, especially considering, you know, the questions you have at cornerback. J.C. Jackson's gone. You know, is Jalen Mills your quote-unquote number one now? Um, what does Malcolm Butler have in the te- – I mean, I think – I guess Malcolm Butler's one guy. Didn't really see a lot of him the first couple of days. I thought he was active today, getting his hands, uh, you know, on some of the passes as well as, you know, Parker had one catch on him that, that Malcolm was able to kind of knock away last second and, and force the incompletion. So I think he was a little bit more active, but you've seen a ton of Terrence Mitchell up there at the top. Uh, I think once they're allowed to get their gloves on, you're allowed to see a little more, you know, press at the line and, and those kind of things. And, and hopefully you get in the middle of the field where the offense starts kind of mixing up their play calls a little bit and, you know, getting them on screens and that kind of stuff. So uh, I think it's been a solid start. I think the defense has been rotating a lot of guys in and out. You've seen Raquan McMillan heavily involved. You've seen, you know, Mac Wilson getting involved a little bit. He spoke with the media uh, today as well. Um, and of course, Josh Bledsoe. I know everybody's been kind of noticing him as you know what might be the fifth safety on the team, but um, he's another one who's been around the ball a lot. I thought Kyle Duggar has, has had his struggles. He gave up a bunch of touchdowns uh, yesterday, gave up yep. another one today, and then redeemed himself with, with a nice pick six that was the second to last play of practice. And then the very last play of practice, you had Marcus Jones kind of covering a quick speed out and forcing uh, an incompletion there. So. You know, the couple, last couple of days, the defense was kind of carrying things, and then the offense made the last play of the day, and it kind of left you with a, a mixed feelings, like, oh, well, it was a good start, and the defense did the push-ups. Uh, today, the defense closed things out like they should have, uh, and that's why I think Mac was kind of visibly frustrated when he was walking off the field. 
That's exactly what I wanted to ask you about. Mac, visibly frustrated, and for good reason. I know he's really emotional and he wants it to go a certain way. That comes a few days after he told us how much he loves the open conversation, quote-unquote, that is the Patriots' offense and coaching staff. And do you think he fully believes in what and i know i'm asking you to speculate so i'm looking for mike Dussault's opinion <laughs> sure. not not a report um Absolutely. Do, do, do you think he fully believes in what's going on around him or is he being a good company man good soldier good leader and voicing that strong belief in what's going on around him while on the field maybe having some doubts yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I kind of feel like Max feels, uh, you know, because in one sense, and, and someone had passed along, I caught on Twitter a clip of, uh, you know, Brady from Man in the Arena talk exercise. And, you know, I think that there's an immense value to that. I mean, this is, you know, greatest coach of all time, one-on-one tutor session, um, you know, but at the same time, you think about they want to have a small staff. They don't want the message to get uh, lost in translation. And, you know, is the message consistent with all three of those guys? I'm not sure. Um, you know, I think it's a little early to say the frustration was with the new setup as it was. I mean, certainly watching the practice today, I was frustrated. I was frustrated watching them. So uh, it wasn't hard to wow. say, all right, Max is going to be frustrated by this one. Um, but, you know, I, I, I still trust in that ultimately it's going to be up to Mac and the offense to make it work. I'm not as, you know, crazy over the top, losing my mind about, you know, the mechanics of it. But, it's just it's hard to, to, to pump it up right now after a couple of days of practice where, you know, they're just not really able to do much. And it's not like you're looking at Stephon Gilmore and J.C. Jackson and Dante Hightower and Jamie Collins out there. And it's about of the ball. You're looking at a lot of new faces, guys that, you know, haven't even really been part of things here very long. So I think that, you know, look, these questions are going to hang over this team all year. And the offense is either going to be productive and take a step forward and people's concerns will be allayed or – Things will consider to go, continue to go like they've kind of been going here in camp, um, and, and, and the frustrations will build. But I think it's a little too early to kind of pull the panic button on that just yet. But certainly at, after today's practice, just on how it went, I, I get the frustration. Well, you got to break them down before you build them back up, and you got to touch the bottom before you know what it's like to reach the top, which is where we were for far too long, anyways. Or so the rest of the NFL will tell us. Mike, yesterday you were gracious enough to give us a few minutes on the Six Rings Pod, and we'll wrap with this. And we talked about keeping an eye on the linebackers who haven't been able to do too much because it's been shorts and shells the first couple of days. So when they finally get hit in this week, we'll see Uche and Perkins. Can they go up against Win and Trent Brown and Cole Strange? Can Cole Strange hold up against? Devon Godshow and uh, you know what kind of playmaker is Raquan McMillan that they've had so much faith in him but I just wanted to get your quick take on the Godshow deal uh, Andy and I are going to talk about that next that's that extension was big money came from out of the blue and both he and Belichick are talking about him being one of the best defensive linemen in the league you watch more film than me Andy and five other you know uh, pants wonks that. combined <laughs> ah, well let's, you, you do your job and you do it well you know what's going on did that de- did that deal come from out of nowhere to you? Like, was that merited, yeah. um, or are we missing the boat on this? No, I I, I I think I'm with the majority of everybody that I was a little bit of a head scratcher. I mean, and I wasn't even you know as down on Devon Godshaw as uh, as as some people were you know in the media. I thought he was he was fine last year, but you know I think you just like I'm saying with with Mac and the offense, ultimately it's up to them to produce. 
you know, with all due respect to Gotcha, I mean, the defense wasn't good enough last year. And certainly some of those games were, where they had to stop the run, they knew they were going to have to stop the run. They couldn't. Um, you know, do I think there are elements of his season last year that were probably a little bit underrated or maybe lost in the wash? Um, probably, but I, I don't think in any universe was I going to be one of the people to, to bang a drum that I thought he was one of the best, you know, defensive linemen in the game. But what's certain is that, you know, they, they, they have a long way to go in terms of where they ended last season defensively. Um, the bar isn't very high after how things ended in Buffalo. So, you know, all eyes are going to be on Godshawn now. And, and, I mean, all these comments and then the contract and everything, it just it puts more focus on the defensive front. I was a little bit underwhelmed this offseason with, you know, they didn't really do anything to the defensive front. You just kind of brought back what you had. You lost some of the linebackers, but, you know, all due respect to Raquel McMillan and Mac Wilson and those guys who I think can, can contribute, the guys that play on the line, the, you know, Godshaw, Wise, Guy, um, you know, Barmore, of course, we're excited about him and the youth, but, um, you know, overall it's just that group has to be better this year, and, and certainly with the money that they gave out, uh, and then not even to Godchild, but go back, you know, to Dietrich Wise two years ago. Like, you know, they, they paid these guys long-term contracts. There haven't been a lot of those given out. There haven't been a lot of extensions given out in recent, you know, Patriots memory. And, you know, that was a group that wasn't exactly leading the way uh, into the playoffs last year. So I just think there's no question that that group has to be better. And this is going to put an even bigger spotlight on them if they underperform. You can follow him at Mike Dussault 19 on the Tweet Machine. You can read his musings, his notes, observations, columns, and more at Patriots.com. And, of course, Patriots Unfiltered every week. You can listen to him. They do a great job on the show, an awesome community. Andy Hart loved it there so much so that he's working at WEEI. <laughs> My guy, the one and only Mike Dussault. Deuce, I will see you later in the week. I'll be there Friday night uh, helping, uh, working alongside Sarge, emceeing the in-stadium practice. That's going to be a blast. Um you know, hold up, keep cool, and uh, hang out this week, and we'll see you Friday. Thanks for some time, buddy. Awesome, guys. See you soon. Yep, you take care. Mike Dussault from Patriots.com on the Harbor One Hotline. All right, Andy, as they say in the biz, we are up against it. we got to pay some bills, and we'll come back. And it's all about you, the callers of WEI, when we come back. 617-779-7937 is the phone number. Six Rings is the podcast at Six Rings Pod. If you'd like to give us a follow, rate, review, and subscribe as well. Your calls. Let's talk Pat's camp and more on the other side with Fitzy and Hart here on WEEI. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.